Hello everyone. As many of us are currently confined at home in many places of the world, and while we keep in our minds and in our hearts those who have no choice but to be at risk from the ongoing worldwide pandemic because they're doctors, nurses, workers, homeless, incarcerated, or in any other precarious situation, we wanted to provide you with a daily podcast to use this time to reflect and organize. The concept is very simple. Every day, we ask one person the same question. What is for you a moment of true decolonization? The answer can be a historical moment or something they witnessed, something heroic and grandiose or rather discreet and mundane, a durable blow to the structures of colonialism or a short instant of liberation. We thank you very much for listening and wish you and your loved ones the very best wherever you are. Hello everyone, today is our eighth episode of the daily podcast, uh, A Moment of True Decolonization, and our guest is uh, Leuli Eshraghi, who is a Samoan artist, a creator and a researcher. Who intervenes in displayed territories to center indigenous presence and power, sensual, sensual and spoken languages, and ceremonial political practices. Uh, Yah is uh, also a bridge maker, uh, and I'm very grateful for the many people he introduced me to in the Pacific and elsewhere. Hello, Leoli. Hi, thank you for having me. <laughs> Thank you for taking the time to do this. And uh, without further ado, please, uh, please tell us what is this moment you wanted to tell us about. Thank you. So uh, my name is Leoli Shragi. I come from the Samoan Archipelago. I'm also uh, of ancestry in the Guangdong Delta in southern China, European ancestry and Persian from the Pars Plateau in Iran. And so uh, I wanted to talk about... Um, a project and also that I've uh, worked on in the last uh, six to 12 months and also the greater kind of exhibition context that it was created for. Um, so I've created a, a, like a, the largest work I've ever worked on, uh, 150 meters of screen printed fabric arranged in uh, like billowing lengths uh, of a octopus goddess uh, from the pre-colonial what I like to call before Gregorian shame time in the Samoan archipelago in the middle of the great ocean. And also uh, three neon uh, works, a a circle that's suspended um, in the middle of this fabric above uh, a a rock pool. And then a a phrase in French in neon on on the far wall, um, which says, les langues poussent jusqu'où notre plaisir dépassera aujourd'hui. Languages or tongues push beyond where our pleasure will go today. And another one on, on the entry into this space um, called or utterances and words of the genealogical histories uh, from the olden days in the archipelagos. So the whole project is called Reconnaissance. And I was living in Montreal at the time when I was first um, kind of conceptualizing this work. And for a number of years, I've been looking at uh, colonial archives uh, for uh, the kind of histories and omissions, particularly around gender diverse um, and spiritual and political systems uh, from my home archipelago, the Samoan Islands, uh, both sides of the colonial divide, of course, uh, and also a wider context working uh, as I do across 
uh, contexts and uh, with indigenous folks from around Australia, New Zealand, Hawaii, North America, um, Taiwan, etc. So uh, that's it's been a really interesting process because I had a lot of um, uh, kind of tension with my uh, family discussing what does well-being, what does pleasure mean for fatfafine, fatama, queer, trans, non-binary peoples who have been, in my opinion, violently removed from our earlier roles in intellectual and ceremonial life across indigenous kinship systems in the middle of the great ocean and beyond. Um, so that, yeah, I just wanted to speak a bit about this work. So it's, and there's also a four person performance that happened on the opening weekend and uh, a video work that, that was like a precursor to that, where we shot at one of the nude beaches in Sydney. Um, really, and after like multiple, um, it was a really beautiful process, multiple days of uh, workshopping and discussing what pleasure means and that in multiple indigenous cultures in the great ocean, um, particularly the, the four of us who were performing, so Samoan, Tongan, Fijian, and Māori, uh, thinking about how to arrive at pleasure. Often we have to work through pain collectively, grief collectively, different kinds of traumas, and also that people hold each other with care, with humour, with tenderness. Um, yeah, so this work, Reconnaissance, which means uh, stepping back uh, and rebirth through the end in French, takes the form of an eight-limbed deity that's represented in ancestral and new motifs on these iridescent fabric lengths. Um, they converge over a neon circle, as I was saying, and a low water in below. And to me, it's a ceremonial framework within which to honor pre-colonial human-animal kinship and cycles of life, pleasure, connection, survival, and thriving before death and the afterlife. And for me, it's also like a hopeful kind of gesture to bring audiences to think about uh, what life might be like after Gregorian shame time, which I think is completely connected to, uh, you know, capitalism, colonization, etc. So very topical in today's uh, context. And uh, I had wanted to have audiences enter the space without any devices and to uh, come into in states of undress. Um, but that wasn't really possible on the day because it was too cold <laughs> um, a few weekends ago. But um, so we had uh, we had really wanted to I had really wanted to have audiences consider pleasure, desire, softness, hardness, what kind of knowledges are embodied within us that predate militarist and missionary colonization in the region and also how to think outside of the architectures that hold them. So really wanting people to come into a particular space and, um, you know, drawing on the aesthetic histories of Barclough across the region, but particularly from the Samoan Islands that I've researched in museum collections, um, to then have some of those motifs and other ones that I created imprinted in the on the fabric. And kind of uh, one of my mentors, Brian Martin, taught me about the kind of shimmering in dance, the shimmering of the sun on the, on the waves uh, of water in the forest as that action where indigenous knowledge comes into being through the shimmering that brings uh, existence uh, into, into kind of uh, more uh, perspective. Uh, so yeah, and then mainly that, that whole work for me is like a way of re reversing or really resisting the coming of the light narratives that like really mask the violent evangelization by Euro-American missionaries around the world. 
Um, so those, and then, you know, of course, we'll, within that space, thinking through uh, kinships that include multiple genders and sexualities, that include ceremonial pr practices and visual expressions that uh, are completely distinct to Western perceptions of savagery, deviancy, darkness. A lot of the things that we kind of see uh, juxtaposed in colonial paintings, particularly by like Paul Gauguin and others like him. Uh, and then thinking, particularly uh, influenced by the community that I've been involved with in, uh, in Montreal, and thinking about what kink practices have to do with non-colonial indigenous actions in the world. How, how does giving and receiving pleasure, uh, what does that have to do with consent, respect, queer, uh, care in uh, queer kinships, and how to move beyond taboos and kind of attitudes that are an anchored in militarist and settler colonial kind of frameworks. So that, so that uh, is just obviously my one um, kind of really deep um, uh, presentation and uh, like the kind of fruit of multiple years of research as an artist, as a curator, and as a community member. Um, within the 2020 Biennale of Sydney, this 22nd one entitled uh, Nirin, which in the Wiradjuri Nation language, which is about five, six hours west of Sydney, um, which means edge. So there's a lot of um, thinking about, by the artistic director, Brooke Andrew, a lot of thinking about how uh, the edge is a very fertile, uh, specific kind of space and not just like thinking about who is on the margins rather or like outsider art, but rather thinking through um, what is uh, peripheral to one culture of course, uh, signaling the center of other cultures. So that's been a really interesting um, context. And there was, uh, and you know, it's uh, one of the uh, first biennales to need to be um, closed currently uh, due to the uh, coronavirus epidemic, uh, pandemic on earth. Um, but it, with Google, they're doing a lot of work to um, bring a lot of the exhibition uh, viewing experience online so there'll be you know kind of really interesting um, possibilities to engage with the works in that way and I have a video work so you know that can be accessed online on my Vimeo channel and um, there's it's also one of the really kind of first times this is the first time that a major Australian biennial um, with an international art remit has had an uh, Aboriginal artistic director and not only that it's an artist-led one so uh, Brooke Andrew, uh, who's a Wiradjuri artist and researcher and an academic between uh, Monash University and Melbourne University in Melbourne, um, really brought, uh, it's kind of like an, a constellation of all of his uh, really incredible kind of connections uh, in Brazil, in, you know, really aligned with the indigenous art projects that they're doing at MASP over there, and then also in North America, in the UK and the rest of Europe, uh, and of course in Australia and the wider region over here. So it's been a really interesting experience as well to be part of a, a, a Biennale that was majority First Nations artists from all around the world, uh, a lot of queer, trans, non-binary artists and indigenous gendered artists um, from all around where Haitian uh, mourning and ceremonial practices were uh, centered alongside um, Uriel ones or other cultures ones. So it's been really, it's quite an interesting and quite a different experience, you know, of course, with all of the art world fanfare and things like that. So I, I really think that kind of taking away the centrality of Euro-Australian 
um, art history, which of course begins in 1788, um, and repositioning this major uh, art uh, kind of presentation context within the trajectory of indigenous art histories within this country, but also within the region and bringing a lot of these really incredible um, connections that are created in conferences and residencies and uh, research projects across universities and across communities, uh, activist struggles that connect all of these places. Um, um, and uh, I, if I understood correctly, I think your installation is on Cockatoo Island, which is in Sydney, but on, on, a, on an island. Does that have a particular impact on, um, on how you perceive the sort of territorialization of, your, of, of, of the Bina? Yeah, it's, it's actually one of the main venues for quite a number of years of the biennial. And uh, Wareima, or Cockatoo Island, uh, at various times was a sacred place for Eora Nation women to birth Uh, children uh, also was a, a prison for convicts and also an industrial place so a lot of uh, aboriginal people were enslaved and imprisoned there a lot of white people were imprisoned there uh, it was also an industrial um, con precinct um, for a lot of the shipbuilding going on in sydney harbor um, and you know servicing the empire across the pacific region um, so it's got a quite a loaded history and a very heavy um kind of resonance and particularly for Eric Bridgman who's a Highlands Papua New Guinean Australian artist and Laure Provo uh, of course many people in France would know a really amazing artist uh, living in uh, Brussels there was a lot of like discussion amongst the artists of like the heaviness of the place um, but as a uh, but as a kind of I really liked that the architecture was quite dominating so quite dominant so we had to kind of shift my artwork multiple times to make it fit within the space, create its own um, infrastructure to support all of the work to be displayed within that space. And also that um, as an experience, you have to catch a ferry to arrive at this island. So once you get there and there's like uh, maybe 60 artworks to see by different artists or 50 artworks to see by different artists and uh, on sea level and up on the higher part of the island, in different kinds of architectures. There's a bar, there's a cafe, there's things to see. Um, so I think it creates a very specific kind of viewing experience, which is very different to, you know, going into an art gallery or museum in the middle of the downtown. Um, so I was, I was really uh, appreciative of the opportunity to, to exhibit in that context, because it's very different to, um, to what's usually, you know, kind of the attention span that uh, is provided for by arriving at a place by sea, which is what a New Caledonian writer, uh, Catherine Regent, wrote about a long time ago, that every island should be supposed to be arrived at by sea. So I really liked that um, kind of, meaning that every visitor has to be, you know, has to literally come by boat, so you can't just like helicopter in, although I'm sure there would be some Uber helicopter people somewhere. Um, but yeah, it really created a very specific context that I really enjoyed. Um, to, and it was really challenging, of course, to 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 present the work in that context. Um, and it's really rich. Uh, I wanted to also share that I wrote an essay for this artist book um, called Nirinai, which was uh, produced by two printmakers, uh, Stuart Geddes and Trent Trent Walter. 
Um, and it's a limited edition that they've created for the Biennale. Uh, and it's uh, so I wrote an essay first in French and then translated it into English uh, when I was uh, still in Montreal last summer, Northern Hemisphere summer, called uh, Privilégier le plaisir autochtone, Priority to Indigenous Pleasures. And uh, like kind of thinking through language, through touch and visual languages as forms of pleasure. Uh, and then, of course, speaking more about sensuality and sexuality in the body and moving beyond Gregorian shame as well. Great. Well, thank you so much, Leoli. And uh, uh, we will, of course, uh, add to this conversation all the necessary link. Yeah, definitely. Thanks again very much for your time. Thank you so much. That's all for today. Find us tomorrow again for a new episode as part of this daily podcast series. And if you're a subscriber to The Phenomenalist, remember that you have access to every single article we published in the past in their online version on our website. Thank you very much and take care.